Um, so, so one of the things that I think men don't talk about failure, you know, I, I am more likely to get into a conversation with you about a jumper that you missed than, than a doctor's appointment. You know, mm-hmm. cats will tell you how they got fired from a job after they get a new job, they might tell you the real story or, or how that relationship broke up. But we hold fatherhood in a place that we don't want to show our frailty at all. And and it's also a place that we we have to be willing to fail, right? Like, I don't know if you changed the diaper right the very first time, but I didn't. No, I you know, I didn't. never. <laughs> You, you know what I mean? It's yeah. one of those things that you only get your pro tips by staying in the game and doing it wrong so many times that you look like, okay, it clicked. Mm-hmm. You know, who who knows what song your kid goes to sleep to? Maybe it's Beethoven, you know, maybe it's Wu-Tang. You don't know unless you just keep trying until you find that thing. But so, so fatherhood has been good, but it's been it's forced me to face fear in ways that I, that I had no idea that I would have to. I always thought that if I ever am, am lucky enough to become a father, I want to be a public father that, that is actually willing to share because otherwise there are some kids who would never have any aspect, I mean, any idea what it looks like. No, no. I listen, man. I I appreciate this, and um, one of the things, and and I know, this is why I was so game to do to to do to do your pod. I'm not here to give you fake answers. You know what I mean? I'm 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 really willing to do the work, and 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 I think if we're not, then what's the point? You you know what I mean? Like, um, I got a cat who went. Whenever I ask him a question, he gives the perfect answer. And I'm like, that sucks, man, because ain't no perfect people. And so who relates to perfect answers? Yeah. You know, so um, so I, I, I want to have open conversations. I want to have real conversations that sometimes get messy, you know, but that we're willing to take the time to kind of sift through. Yeah. What's interesting is I always saw myself as a father. I never saw myself as a husband. What's going on, world? This is Read the Fine Print, the show. I am your host, Detravius Bathia. This is the D-Don episode going up as promised, the full episode. Um, if you don't know who D-Don is, if you didn't catch the last clip, D-Don is a very good brother. He's on this. He has this notion or this, this mission of public fathering, and he talks about it in the episode. He also talked about marriage we talked about relationships we talked about fitness but the deep dive was on fathering hence the 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 title of the show on fathering Um, please go follow him all his information will be in the show notes the show description please go follow him please go check out his podcast dad jeans is one of the must listen to podcasts out there trust me i'm not going to lead you wrong and as always, I want you to subscribe, like, rate, and review this podcast. And if you have it in your heart, think about becoming a sponsor. So until the next time, next Thursday, peace.
Before going to HBCU, I was playing water polo. <laughs> you was playing water polo? <laughs> hey, man, we, we do what we do. Do but, what um, you do. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's all part of the journey. State your name for the record. All right. So the, my name is Didon. I am an attorney. I live in Washington, D.C. Father of a nine-year-old, a little girl named Ella. She's dope. And I'm also a mediator. So the, the attorney is by training, the mediator is by choice. And uh, I think the value of mediation uh, is that it, it finds that point where two parties can come together, where sometimes the law is adversarial and tends to push parties away. So I find value in that work. But I'm originally from California, Pasadena, and I've moved here to go to, moved here being DC to go to Howard and um, met Detravius in law school at Howard Law. Yeah, you went to, you double Howard, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, you absolutely double Howard. We know multiple people in common outside of the people from law school. Man, listen, it, it's, I went to Howard and then I worked for Howard and then I went to Howard again. And yeah. so I, I tell people I was everything at Howard from the, the mascot to a member of the board of trustees. So yeah, I've had a lot of hats. Yeah, but what's going on, man? How are things, man? How are you holding up in COVID, man? Man, you know what? So pre-COVID, at the, at the end of 2019, I got on my scale and uh, it wasn't pretty, bro. Um, I normally, for, for most of my adult life, I've been around 230. And uh -huh. the scale is at 260, man. And, oh, wow. and 230 is, is, is too much for me. Um, How tall are you? For the people, five five eleven. So okay. five eleven, two thirty. Most of my adult life, and uh, got up to two sixty. And I said I need to do something about it. Man. So mm -hmm. 2009, 2020 has mostly been about trying to get it together. And, and COVID has actually given me an opportunity to like it took away all of those other things that we say make us too busy. And so, man, I just been taking walks, riding my bike, whatever I could do, spending time outside with my daughter, jump rope contests, you know, everything I could do to add a little more cardio, a little more exercise. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm down to around 220 now. So I'm the lowest yeah, that I've yeah, been yeah. in a long time. Congrats, man. We, we the, uh, yeah, man. I'm at, uh, I just went to the doctor for my yearly physical on Monday. Was that Monday? Tuesday. On Tuesday. Okay. I'm at 212, but I'm I'm 5'8, so I'm three three inches shorter than you. And he was like, you he's like, he told me that, you know, he's like, I don't want to see you at 175 because you you're muscular. He was like, but you need to get down to 190. I knew that before I went in there. But right. <laughs> so it's like, um, and we all know what we got we supposed to be doing. So we oh, just yeah. gotta do it. Yeah. Dude, my doctor was like, do I need to have the pre-diabetes talk with you? I was like, nah, nah, I'm good. He was like, nah, you said you was good last year, but, last but year. here we are. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, man, I, I think that I also turned 44 this summer. Oh, you, and, yeah, you um, are, yeah, over me, okay. Yeah, man, yeah. so like, the, I'm trying to beat the odds, but if, if statistics are accurate, you know, black men have a life expectancy of 67 years. And um, yeah the best thing I could do to give myself a shot at living a longer, healthier life is, is to drop some pounds and to be more, more deliberate about what I'm eating and what I'm doing in the meantime. So, yeah. And that, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, um, what 2020, I've kind of sort of had a similar experience with, with you. I was already going to the gym, but I wasn't okay. doing enough cardio. So it was like, I was doing a lot of weights 
But it's like, yeah, 2020 get got rid of all the excuses, man. Like, yeah, sat you sat everybody down. Like, nah, you're gonna relax right now. <laughs> and, and see, for me, I used to do triathlons, and so I saw that, yeah, I would get in shape for a try, and then you know, finish the race. And then have like a three month victory lap where I'm eating whatever I want. And then, you know, you right back out of shape again. Yeah. So he was telling me, we're good. Yeah. Everything got canceled this year. So it's like, now you need to get in shape for your own self, get in shape for getting in shape um, for its own value. So yeah, you've been doing the tries. How long you been doing that for you? Cause you've been sharing that for a minute. Yeah, man. Um, 2014, I think I did my first one with with Nesbitt, Will Nesbitt. We, um, we did a tough mutter. We did two, well, we did a Tough Mudder and then we we're like, well, what are we going to do next? And then we, um, mm-hmm. we, we said, well, we, we both know how to swim. Let's, um, let's get this triathlon thing a try. So we did it and then we did one the next year and added another cat. And then um, it just, the bug bit me, man. I've been doing them. And I, I wanted to do a, an Ironman this year, um, which is it's still a triathlon. A lot of people get them all mixed up, but it's like a running race, how you have a 5K, a 10K, and then people will do a marathon. So Ironman is, uh, if you do a full Ironman, it's a 2.4-mile swim, 110-mile bike ride, and then a, a marathon run at the end. And so this year I was going to try for a half Ironman. But, um, yeah, man, you can't, you can't mess around and, and be halfway in shape or be like, I'm going to just power through yeah. this thing for 50 miles on a bike. That ain't going to work. Yeah, that ain't going to work. Yeah, yeah. I did, I did a tough mother, man. I did one. I was, I'm one and done, though, man. I mean, I may do it again. <laughs> But it was it wasn't yeah, so much that it was um it was hard. I, I it, it was hard. I'm not gonna say it was easy, but um it was more I got injured and I was like, I'm getting too old for this, man. Yeah, yeah I, I twist I did the I did two. And the first one I did was a miserable experience, man. Mm-hmm. Cause I was just like, I wasn't ready for this. No, nah, I wasn't ready but, at all. Yeah, yeah. But it was cold and I was like, my homeboy who drove is doing the race with me. So I'm going to have to wait in the cold the same amount of time. I might as well finish. So the second time I was like, I'm going to do this the right way. And that's when uh-huh. I trained with Will um, and Eddie. Eddie who Eddie. went to law school with yeah, us yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I trained, but I didn't train enough because I didn't know what it, what it was. So I tried to follow their schedule that they, they give out, like the train. And I didn't oh, follow right. the schedule. And when I got there, I was running with some guys from high school. And these dudes just left me, man. Like, they just left me. <laughs> I was the last one out of our group to finish. And I was like, I finished, though. Um, I was the last one out of the group to finish by a lot, actually. But I wasn't first in the group. And I, and, I mean, I wasn't first in the entire bunch, but I definitely wasn't last. So I, I, yeah. I, I want to think I was somewhere in the middle between the people that actually finished. But, nah, it's something that you got to – it's fun, but it, it's something you got to prepare for, too. It ain't something that you just – Hop up one day and be like, yo, I'm going to do this. <laughs> I think you're going to be yeah, all right. No, it'll catch you slipping, man. It'll yeah, definitely yeah. catch you slipping. So the running part is what really caught me slipping. It was like the run. But now I'm running now. So the running part was like, man, everything else yeah, is man, pretty. Running is, yeah. Running is miserable for me, man. Yeah. I, I've never gotten used to it. It's hard. It stays hard. And the best part of the run is being able to talk about the run I finished when it's over. <laughs> You just like me, man. People are like, yo, you're gonna get you're gonna get used to it. You're gonna start loving. I'm like, man. So I so I've been I started running 316 this year, 316 20. Once they was shut everything down officially here, I was like, all right, I can't go to the gym, so what I want to start doing. I mean, I, I definitely been making more a lot of progress because when I first started, I couldn't even run three minutes straight. So like I'm doing now, I do a 5k easy. 
Um, but yeah, I'm never, I'm not enjoying it at all. <laughs> I hate every minute of it. <laughs> I'm I'm just like you, brother man. People were like, "Oh yeah, you go get that runner's high." No, I, uh, that second wind never kicked in. I never got to that point where I felt like I was floating. Yeah. It's and funny. One time I was running and um, I was running past a store, and I felt good. I felt strong. And then I saw my reflection, and I was like, "Dude, I look like I'm limping. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dragging. Like I'm surprised people aren't checking on me to see if I'm all right, dude. Like it. Yeah. It just." I'm not a natural runner. I mean, I can get through it, but it doesn't come naturally or easily. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I think people lying, man. Honestly, to be one hundred percent. I hope so. Yeah, I mean, some obviously there's always gonna be some people that that uh, love running. That's their thing. But I think most people lying, man. And they 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 just because it's the cool thing to say, like, yo, you're gonna you're gonna love it. You're gonna get that runner's high. You're gonna get... no, no, you're not, yo. <laughs> no. Yeah, but it's just the cool thing to say. Like, you can't say. Like, you know, you can't say certain things. Like, you can't say, like, I don't like my kids or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's certain things. Just, yeah. Just be honest, dude. Just be honest, yo. And I, I, I don't think people are really um, into it like that. But that, that's me, man. But talk about the, um, the biking, too. I see you biking a lot, too. Yeah, man. So we made the decision to take my daughter uh, to California. Uh, my mom lives in California, and I usually... Um, drop my, my daughter off with my mom every summer just so she can spend some time. Um, you know, that, that grandparent time is important. But this year with everything going on, you know, one, I had a lot more flexibility and time, but also I wanted to just kind of spend a little more time um, with my mom because, you know, I hadn't seen her in a while and with everything that's going, who knows when the next opportunity would come. So I went there and stayed the whole time. So we ended up staying like 17 days. And I was like, well, what am I going to do? You know, so I live, my mother lives close to the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, which uh-huh. is a, you know, if you haven't heard, it's just a, a, a giant football stadium, but people walk around it all the time. It's like the, the little fitness area. Okay. And it's a three, it's a three mile loop. And so I, I took my bike to, to California. So while my mom and my daughter were getting their time in every morning, I got up at five o'clock and uh, I told myself, I'm going to try to get 500 miles in. And for this two and a half weeks that I'm, that I'm here. So uh, I ended up getting it. Um, It was great. It was fatiguing, but I mean, it was a perfect, perfect series of events that allowed me to do it. You know, I didn't have to worry about my daughter's care. She was with my mom. Proximity was close. California weather, you know, there's no random rainstorms. And, um, you know, I was, I was able to really, really put maximum effort into something physical that, and that was the first time I'd done that in a long time. And it felt good, man. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize it was um happening in Cali. I thought you was in D.C. doing that. Yeah, no, it was, um, yeah, just right around the Rose Bowl every day. Now, that's the thing, right? It gets monotonous because mm-hmm. it ended up being like 100 and some laps. But I put in about 33. I tried to average about 33 miles a day. And that was about okay. a two and a half hour bike ride. Okay, yeah, because I hit you in behind the scenes because you were showing that you you had some flats. I was like, man, is this a normal thing? Because you, you was like... <laughs> Yeah, man, because, like, I, I've had my bike for two years. I, I got it in 2017 and had one flat. Mm. And then I got, like, three flats in three days. And I was yeah, like, yeah, come yeah, on, yeah. Two, two within an hour. Yeah, and yeah, I was like, yeah. this is the universe. This is yeah, the that's universe when I hit you up, like, man, because you, you, you were sharing your journey. 
on social yeah. media and I was like, that's when I hit you behind the scenes. Like, yo, is this normal? Like, cause you just had a flight. I could have sworn you just had a flight. He was like, nah, that's not normal. I had the bike. You explained everything you just explained just now. And I was like, oh, yeah, all right. man. I was like, man, you, you seem like you having a lot of flats. Well, that's the thing, right? Like usually people will tell you if you bike, like, you know, you carry a spare tire, but you never really expect to use it. Mm. So when I got the second flat, I was like, well, I could call an Uber, I could call home or just walk with my bike. Cause I was, ne- I was nowhere near prepared to change two flats uh-huh. um, on, on one bike ride. But you know, that's gotcha. how you learn. So Pasadena, tell me about Pasadena, man. So, so from zero to nine, I, I grew up in LA and okay. um, LA and Pasadena are maybe 10, 15 minutes apart. So it's not a far distance wise, but it's very different. Um, so I grew up in, I, I didn't call it South Central LA, but that's, that's what it was known as after we left. Um, and then, so moving to Pasadena was a suburban neighborhood, um, it was a good environment. The school system was slightly different, a little better. Okay. Um, what, what, I, what I remember about the transition from, from L.A. to Pasadena is in Pasadena, we got to take our school books home. In L.A., there was a classroom set. And you had to have that same classroom set that, that they wrote in last year. So um, yeah. same basic stuff, but slightly different. Um, it was good. Uh, one of the things we were talking about in the pre-roll. Um, so, yeah, definitely the, the toughest part of growing up was that middle school time for me. Um, and okay. I was in, in Pasadena. And um, it was because I, I, I don't know if I didn't really know who I was, but I also had a group of friends that, that weren't the friends that I needed to have around me. You mm-hmm. know, they're the friends that, that think it's, it's funnier to, to point out your weaknesses and to make fun of you uh-huh. uh, rather, rather than to be supportive of whoever you are. And, and uh-huh. you know, there's, there's puberty, so it was awkward. And, uh, I remember making a conscious decision at the end of the eighth grade going into high school that um, the first person that says something sideways to me, I was going to punch him in the face. Right. <laughs> and so like the whole summer I'm, 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 I'm wrapping my mind around all of the possibilities. Like what if it's a football player? What, what if it's an upperclassman? What if it's a girl? Like what, what are you going to do if, and, and I was trying to talk myself out of this, this, this mindset, but I knew that if I gave myself an out, then I was gonna fall into that same space with the same people. Now it never occurred to me you could just not roll with these people. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's so, the thir- um, thirteen. Thirteen, though. So yeah, yeah, I was gonna say that's that thirteen um, yeah. way of thinking. So first day of school, everything is cool, there's no problems, and we're walking home. And, and one of my one of my friends says something to me, mm-hmm. and so. It, this is that moment, right? I, I've been holding this. This is kind of like a video game where you hold the power button to build up your power. I've been yeah. holding this thing like the whole <laughs> summer, man. And so I, I, I turned, dude's name was Cheney Wade. I turned and I punched him in the face as hard as I could, right? And so I don't know what I thought was going to happen. Dude didn't fall. Dude wasn't knocked out. <laughs> like the, the best thing I could say to describe how this cat looked was startled. <laughs> and so like... <laughs> So, so he looks at me. So now we got to fight, right? But I've yeah. already given him my very best shot. I had the element yeah. of surprise. Yeah. I've been holding it. I knew what I was going to do. And it had no effect on him. So now, yeah. but, so we pulled up. I mean, we, we, we squared off. And I, and I swear to you, this cat pulls up in an Impala. Um, he, he was probably a crib. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he was like, if you two little... I don't want to curse on your show. You curse, like, man. Do whatever you want. You can curse, man. 
All right. It was like, yo, you two motherfuckers don't stop fighting. I'm going to beat both of y'all asses. Mm -hmm. And it was perfect because it gave us both the out to yeah. not fight. Right. Because yeah. he didn't want to fight me because I had just punched him in the face. I certainly didn't want to fight him because I ain't got nothing left in the tank. <laughs> and so, um, but after that day, I, I just went home and I made a promise to myself. I was like, I'm going to be whoever I am. Right. So uh -huh. I, I, I stopped hanging around those cats. Um, and I ended up just doing things that, that more naturally spoke to my interest. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up swimming. I played water polo in high school, things that they weren't associated with, with being black or even things that, that were popular in, in mm -hmm. general, like water polo is not popular for anybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was something that I had a general interest in. I love, I love being in the water. And, um, you know, years later, I, I thought back, like, you know, I didn't need to have to ask, actually have the punch in the face moment to just decide to move different, but I'm glad I did because I mm -hmm. actually see, the, the what can happen when you when you're in a mindset that's uh -huh. that's so fixed and 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 so narrowly focused that you can uh -huh. get stuck yeah and so i i use that as an example so that i can not be there got you that's that's interesting that you came to that realization like at 13 though 13 14 years old that's pretty early man yeah but yeah. I, I i didn't have a choice like those three years that 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 sixth, seventh, eighth grade were so miserable for me gotcha. that, that I didn't see another way. Like gotcha. I was just like, I'm willing to fight to not be here rather than not fight and to be around these people who are calling my friends and be in this situation where I don't feel gotcha. supported. Gotcha. What was, what's the demographic? What was the dem racial demographic of, of your school? <sighs> Good question. So Pasadena is, is diverse, mm -hmm. but the education is segregated. I like everything so, else, right? Right, right. So it's it's a town that has a lot of money, you know, because they had a Super Bowl there. They have lots of sporting events there. Mm -hmm. UCLA plays football there, so there's a lot of money coming in. Okay. Most of the white people with money will put their kids in the private school, mm -hmm. so the schools don't reflect the resources of the city, and that, and that's not that's not uncommon, but that that happens to be the situation there. And so the schools, man, if you ask me to think back. I would swear that my school was like 50% black, 50% Mexican, and like 10 others. Not even 10%, okay. but just like 10, 10 other up, people. 10 other people, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we, we had a large population, um, a large Hispanic population, um, and a, 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 a smaller, uh, there was an Asian population and a smaller white population. Um, but you know, I, that, that kind of stuff can be subjective. But, but Pasadena overwhelmingly is a, is a wealthy, uh, rich suburb of Los Angeles, but the African-Americans who live there don't reflect that. Got you. That sounds like damn near every place <laughs> in America yeah. has, that has like the rich, uh, wealthy suburbs outside of the, the city to get the hood, yeah. but it, it, the black population is still like, you know, they're still they're struggling. Not as, struggling. Yeah, you're not, you're not as poor as, you know, South Central, but you ain't, you're not necessarily killing the game. Um, right. Yeah. Instead of your mother leaving South Central, maybe your grandmother left South, <laughs> yeah, exactly. South Central. But y'all yeah. not far out. Not far out. Exactly. That sounds like, it's interesting. I'm sure some books out there, I'm not familiar with those those books that explore that, explore that subject deeply, but it sounds like a common theme that, I thought it was just Jersey until I started traveling. Like, now nah, it's like every place yeah. is like that. Yeah, no, and I, I'll give you an example. So, like, you know, everybody heard of Rodney King and everything that happened to Rodney King. Uh -huh. Rodney King went to my high school. 
Yeah. You know, uh, now I ain't go to school with him, but yeah, he's he was, way he was older 10 than years ago. Yeah. Right. He's like 10 years our senior, but, but like, so this is the environment that, that even though this cat didn't live in LA, like, but this is still the environment that, that kind of created and, and fostered that type of, um, that type of response because Pasadena is still policed by the LA County Sheriff. Oh, wow. And so, you know, they had their own small police department, but the whole LA County, you know, they had these sheriffs that kind of roam that don't live in the, in the neighborhoods that they police. And you know what happens when, when that. So the Rodney King situation happened in Pasadena? It didn't happen in Pasadena. I think it was kind of further out in the valley. Valley, but that's what I Rodney, thought it was, yeah. Yeah, but, but Pasadena is in the valley. Um, okay. It's called the San Gabriel Valley, but it happened further out in the valley. But, but what I'm saying is the whole valley is still policed by you. LA County sheriffs. Yeah, okay. Got you, got you. And talk about, um, you didn't mention your father, so you, can't, you come from a two-family home. What did your parents do? Yeah, okay, so my, my, my parents, so my, my mother and father both went to school in Pomona, which is a really small city in, outside LA as well. Um, my mom went to a women's college called Scripps. My father went to a men's college called Claremont McKenna, which is now co-ed. But so they, they met college sweethearts and my father got into the Peace Corps and okay. my, my mother got pregnant and my father rolled out after graduation. And so I, I would not say that he left because my mom got pregnant, because if you want to get in the Peace Corps, it's like a long over a year application process, but mm -hmm. he left fully well. Well, they graduated in June. I was born in July. So my mom mm -hmm. graduated eight and a half months pregnant. And so while my father was in Botswana uh, for the Peace Corps, he met a woman, changed his name, married her. And by the time he came back to the United States, I think they had maybe three or four kids. Damn, how long at, he was in the Peace Corps for? So I think he did the two years, but I think he stayed. Okay. Um, and so by the time he got back, um, he went back. He was originally from Chicago. Then he went back to the Midwest. I think he settled in Indiana eventually, initially. He went to med school. Um became a doctor and was like, yeah, you and Dedon could come live with us. And my mom was like, nah, I'm good. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I grew up without my father. I know him. I've met him. I spent time with him. Um, maybe three or four visits over the course mm -hmm. of my entire life. Um, mm -hmm. But it wasn't involved, wasn't, wasn't even a, a communicator very much. Um, I spoke more to his mother than, mm -hmm. than I spoke to him, who's actually who my daughter is named after. Okay. Um, so, and, and to be frank, and this isn't to diss him, but from my interactions with him and I, and I am, I, I try to build, I'm trying to build a relationship with, with uh, his, his other children, my, my brothers mm -hmm. and sisters. I think that I'm better for him not being there. Um, just from a reality standpoint, um, I know it was a better situation for a mother, whether or not it was more difficult. Uh, uh, of course, I mean, I, I don't put, the, the idea of a, of a single parent, male, male or female, is not something that, that I'm flipping about. But the energy that he puts out is not something that I would have wanted to be part of uh, my childhood. Got you. So this is uh, a great transition or two. <laughs> so I, I think I want you to do two deep dives on the, in the oh, fine okay. print, to discuss the fine print. So because we're already on the subject, let's continue with the, with the fathering. You, you have started a blog. Um, correct about on fathering yeah. website actually it's more than a blog uh, website 
I think you got a little, you got a Facebook group going. Yeah, man, trying to do some things. Um, Now you got the podcast going on fathering and you share a lot of stories on on social media for those that don't follow you. So the fine print, I think you know the, you know, I always say like, you know, people get jammed up by by not discussing, you know, the fine print of, well, we're not reading the fine print in the contract and not just expand it to everything really. So like, let's talk about like the fine print of fathering. What are the things that people don't talk about or they or they talk about um but they should be talking about more and through your experience with fathering yeah man no and i'm i'm excited to jump into this so you, you know i think the notion a lot of times is that men don't think about fatherhood until mm-hmm. you know somebody's pregnant um for me particularly growing up without my father in the home i gave a lot of thought to, you know, if I ever get a chance, this is what I would do. You know, we, we romanticize what we would do and what we would do differently. Um, but I also had a lot of friends who didn't have fathers around. So when I had that friend who had a father, and I call them public fathers, and, and I just mean like I had a homeboy whose dad lived there, but when his dad came home, everybody else got to go. And so I don't know what his father and journey was like. I don't know what that relationship was like, but I had another homeboy who his father was like the neighborhood dad. Mm-hmm. He's giving advice. He's, you know, you can come over to the barbecue, you know, that, that family was Muslim. They're explaining the, the aspects of their religion to you. You know, he was just willing to, to rap to anybody who came to him. And, and they had a bunch of kids. They had, um, I think it was three girls and two boys. So all different age groups of people were coming through the house, just engaging um, with that family. And I really got a chance to see fatherhood in a way that I had never, like, I didn't experience it on my own, but I also didn't, didn't see it from other friends. So I always thought that if I ever am, am lucky enough to become a father, I want to be a public father that, that is actually willing to share because otherwise there are some kids who would never have any aspect, I mean, any idea what it looks like. Um, so, so one of the things that I think men don't talk about failure you know, I, I am more likely to get into a conversation with you about a jumper that you missed than, than a doctor's appointment. You know, mm-hmm. cats will tell you how they got fired from a job after they get a new job. They might tell you the real story or, or how that relationship broke up. But we hold fatherhood in a place that we don't want to show our frailty at all. And, and it's also a place that we we have to be willing to fail, right? Like, I don't know if you changed the diaper right the very first time, but I didn't. I I never, (laughs) you you know what I mean? It's one of those things that you only get your pro tips by staying in the game and doing it wrong so many times that you're like, okay, it clicked. Mm -hmm. You know, who who knows what song your kid goes to sleep to? Maybe it's Beethoven, you know, maybe it's Wu-Tang. You don't know unless you just keep trying until you find that thing. And and, and so that's that's the thing that we don't talk about that that the the way you get good at it is just by sticking to it and and i think that that moms get it because they don't really have the same option not to. yeah absolutely you know and, yeah. and 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 also other moms tend to to wrap their moms around you know grandmother will say all right come here you know do this bring the kid over here um oh you need a break drop you know that was that was my family because I, I grew up in a family full of women and so I might be staying with auntie such and such this weekend because I don't know, maybe my mom had a date. Maybe she just needed a weekend without me keeping it real, you know, and I don't see fathers creating that same space. Um, 
And so one of the things that, that I, I want to do through on fathering um, by sharing different men's stories and through the podcast is to have these open conversations. Like, what do you whack at? What did you get wrong? You know, so, so that we can make that next jumper. You know, um, we expect to make all the progress without showing the work. Showing work. You know, it's like yeah. math. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that, see, I didn't, that was a great answer. I'm not just being generic with you. That was a great answer. Cause one, I wasn't expecting that answer. Um, and two was, it, it sounds like you thought about the process like thoroughly, you know what I'm saying? So, and you gave a thorough answer. So, uh, well, one, let me rewind. So the idea of public fathering, that's an interesting concept because like I didn't, um, I'm sure people that some podcasts tied hand the story. I didn't know my father, but, but um, he passed away when I was eight. But uh, I can't say that I didn't have male figures there, but there was like this one neighborhood public father that that we, we, we all leaned on. Mr. Perry, he died not too long ago, actually, too. And he was just like, when I was living in Newark, he was just like the neighborhood pops, at least from our little, um, yeah. I guess they were projects, but they were like townhome projects, but our little quad, he was like the, for me, he was our neighborhood, our quad father, right? And he had a whole bunch of kids too. It was like, um, he got four boys and two girls, right? And um, okay, yeah, man, he was just like a, a, a man's man, if, you know, not to be, uh, cliche but he was he was that guy he he didn't take no mess he taught his kids how to box um his daughter knew how to box it, it, it was just but he was like always the guy that's just giving you information and he definitely didn't take no mess either like he would come home like you said he you had to you could you could be in this house but you know he was definitely that guy and I, I found out later on in life that he was that guy for a lot of people they said his funeral was crazy man um yeah but yeah he was one of the most of my friends you know, they didn't have their biological fathers in the house. If they had anybody, a male figure in the house, you know what I mean? So I, 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 like, I like the concept and I like where you're going with it because I wasn't expecting that to be the impetus and motivation for, for what you're doing. Yeah, man, it, um, it really stuck to me, you know, because I, I didn't, otherwise I wouldn't have had it, you know. Um, and, and so along the way, when I saw, you know, or when I had a homeboy whose dad did something a little different, like I would ask the question, yeah. you know, like I, I have one homeboy who um, almost everybody in his family is an entrepreneur. Okay. And, you know, I said, you know, what, what's different about your family? It's like, you know, my dad used to make up songs about our responsibility to our people. And I was like, mm -hmm. your dad used to sing. And he was like, yeah. He said, as long as I can remember, he said, now, nah, you know, my dad was an attorney. He was all business all the time. He said, but he used to just make up songs about our responsibility and accountability. Gotcha. Yeah, man, it's it's interesting, especially when you're dealing, when you add on the black fatherhood on it to it too, because we, we dealing, like you said, like you, we talked about what is it, what is, what is, what does it even mean to be black? You know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. Let alone like what it means to be a black father. And like, it's just all these things are in flux. And a lot of us, for whatever reasons, you know, didn't have like our biological fathers around. So how do we begin to, you know, even, how do we even begin to deal with the problem, quote unquote? But yeah, I think, I think know, the public fathering, like I said, I didn't even think that's what, that's what you were doing. Why you would, I mean, you would, obviously you're doing public father, but I didn't know that was like your motivation. So like, so I guess like that's part of the solution, like just having a conversation, like 
what does it mean to be a father? <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, and just just letting cats know that there's other people out there, you know, because yeah. one of the things I didn't want to do, and and, not, and this is not to knock anybody's approach to anything, but I was like, I'm not spending time exploding myths, right? Like, mm-hmm. if you don't believe that I exist, I, I'm not interested in convincing you. Mm-hmm. But but if you're out here trying to add a tool to your toolbox, let's get it. You know, I'm I'm all about cats who say there are skill sets out here that I don't have and I'm interested and I'm curious, you know? And so I approach fathers like, Hey, these, and that, that was the way I approached dads. We're not trying to be experts. I'm, I'm willing to, I'm willing to create a platform and I'm just asking you to share something that was valuable to me. It's valuable to you. And, and maybe somebody else going through it will find it of use or be able to remix it in a way that works for his household. You know, like I, I was rapping to this one cat who was a military veteran. And he would say, like, he would go away for months, you know, when he would get deployed. And he would carry a whole separate bag with just children's books. Cause he was like, what I'm going to do is I'm gonna read to my kids every opportunity that I can. And so if that meant he had to go in the desert with an extra bag with children's books and his boys would tease him, but he was like, I'm just not willing to accept the other option, you know? And so, like that's dope. I'm not in the military, you know. I, I don't plan on being deployed, but but I can take something from that story in my journey. Yeah, and it is. I also think it's like um, there's so many myth myths out there, right? It's like and and yeah. perceptions of what you're supposed to be. And I think like I'm not gonna play like the the oppression Olympics, right? <laughs> but I think like black men, like I think we we are expected to be Superman in a lot of ways. Right. Um, and you know, not, not taking anything from black women because you know, people be in the comment, what about black women? We hold, we the backbone, but it's just like, I think we have a, all right. So I I always tell people this. I don't really say it on record, but I'm gonna say it on record. This is my, my, my first time on record. Like, like whenever something goes wrong in the black community is the black man's fault. When it goes right, it's the black woman's fault. Right. So, you know, failure has. So, like for example, I get, I, I'm just gonna put the energy on me. Like I turned out all right, right. So I'm sure. Okay. So my mother's going to get all the credit, but I'm sure if, if since my father wasn't around, if I did not turn out all right, they would have blamed my father, right? Because he was he wasn't there. So it's one of those things. Um, one, I think it's like it's an interesting dynamic how that how that plays out. Like so, if I right. if I'm if I'm from a fuck up. It's my father's fault, but if I'm great, it's my mother's fault. Although my father never was there ever, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I think it's a convenient shortcut, you know. Yeah. Um, I used to run this mentoring program, and there was this this one kid who had been suspended from school, mm-hmm. right? So his mom tells me that he's been suspended. So we rap at the, we used to meet on Saturdays, so we rap. And um, he tells me his side of the story. I don't pass judgment one way or the other. I just want him to have an opportunity to get it off his chest. And so we do a couple things over the course of that day. And I purposely put him in a leadership role um, because what I ultimately want to do is set him up to, to show good decisions. Um, but I also want to give a positive report back to his family, you know? And so um, the dude shines because that's who he was, you know? And so when his mom goes to pick him up, I walk him outside and she's on the sidewalk. And I said, I want to talk to you about your son. 
to Travis before I could even give a progress report. She had grabbed him up by like, by like his shirt and was like, I told you if I have any more problems out of you. And I was like, I just wanted to tell you that he was a leader today and, and, and that I'm not sure what happened, but I was proud of what he put forth today. And, and she let him go and she was like, oh, and he said, you know, why do you always assume the worst about me? And, and she, you know, she gets into it, don't talk back to me. And so he just goes and sits in the car and she's like, I'm sorry about his behavior. I don't know where he gets it from. And I was just sitting there and I was like, yo, you don't see <laughs> what you're contributing <laughs> to this. Like you just flew at him and grabbed him up before yeah. I could be faster than I could get a sentence out. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm certainly not saying that's all the cases, but I, but I think we're so quick to assume that that all the bad habits came from somewhere else. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. and, and that none of the good could have come from somewhere else either. Like it both of it comes from both ways. Yeah. And I, and I think yeah. it's interesting when we take that shortcut. It's not honest. No, nah, it's not honest at all. And like I said, I'm just gonna keep my energy on me. So you know, I, I can try to uh, quelch or, or, or eliminate the, the comments that that's gonna may come about this discussion. But I was like, even like with me, like so, I think we gotta find our parents, like you know, especially uh, our moms in the black community. So it's like, even with me, like I'm dealing with, like dealing with the baggage that she has put on me. Like all the good things, I recognize sure. too. But like the shit that I be doing, and I'm like, yo, that's that came from my mom too. You know what I mean? Like, and it's like, it's a, it has to, it's the honest conversation. Like we're not perfect. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, so for her to only give me all positive uh, things in my life and nothing negative is just, it's just not, it's just not possible. You know what I'm saying? Cause none of us are, are perfect. So, but go ahead. You see pointing. You, 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 you said something earlier about um, black men. We feel like we have to be superheroes. And, and I think that, when we either try to step into that role and I know I've, I've kind of deified my mom Oh, my mom's a superhero, mm. but like super Superman don't have an off day. You know what I mean? Yeah. Superman don't, don't, don't get fired from work. Superman don't have a bad night's sleep. Like our parents were trying, my mom had me at 21. I had my child at 35 and was petrified. Uh -huh. my, my mother had me at 21 and the dude who she, who, who she was with was in another country, you know? So I can't imagine the amount of, of, of frailty she felt and, and fear that she had. And, and, I, and I think if we don't give our parents room, even when we think back to them and when we create these, these legends of them, if, if we don't see them as real people, we don't see where the bad stuff came from. Exactly. You know, like yeah. your mom was trying to figure it out. My mom was trying to figure it out. Yeah. Like I'm glad they was there trying, yeah, but yeah. not everything they put into us was positive. It was positive, absolutely. So like, just so just with my journey and, and this whole fatherhood thing, um, because I thought about fatherhood a lot. Like, um, yeah, I think it, I don't, I don't, I guess that is something that's going on in the community that we don't think about fatherhood. I thought about it a lot, especially like, is not having a dad, and like what is it going to be and how how I'm supposed to be, and I I I, I put myself or I created these crazy high expectations that. There was no way in hindsight that I was gonna be ever be able to do eighty percent percent of the stuff that I thought I was supposed to do. And like I, I fucked up, like you know. And I think you know we have to admit, like yo, I, I didn't do the right thing here. I didn't do so. It's like really, it's it's everyday training. Like, but you, I think you gotta have a a, a good good level of self reflection and honesty with yourself. Like yo, I didn't do 
that right. I should have did th- did it this way, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's it would have been impossible for me not to think about fatherhood when the only way I could play catch was to throw the ball on the roof and to catch it when it rolls <laughs> off. Like, yeah, I'm gonna think about fatherhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but but on the same note, I, what's interesting is I always saw myself as a father. I never saw myself as a husband, you mm, know, um, yeah. because I I saw the space for fatherhood. I didn't really see the space for partnership. Now go on to that because you're, so, not, you're, you're not you're not with your yeah. But you were yeah. married too, and you married and divorced now, right? Yeah, married yeah, go and divorced. Go on to that. Yeah, married at at twenty five, um, divorced by the time I started law. Well, separated by the time I started law school. Di- divorced by twenty eight, um, twenty eight, twenty nine. Yeah, it's a blur. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't. I got into marriage thinking that it was. I'm going to give my everything to you. You're going to give your everything to me. It's going to be a loving contest, and that's just going to be it. Mm-hmm. And I was wrong. You know, um, neither one of us grew up in situations where we saw healthy, diverse relationships. Like, she saw her grandparents marry, and I don't, I'm not knocking her grandparents, but they had already been married for, like, 30 years by the time she came along. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. You know, and the reality is your grandparents might not even like each other, but they just there. Yeah, they just yeah, doing this thing. They got they got different yeah. areas of the house. house. You know, that's one hundred percent fact. That's one hundred percent fact. Yeah. You know, so and she was from Louisiana, and and me being from California, so I'll give you an example of how that will play out. So once we're married, if the phone rang to her, it was disrespectful for anybody other than the woman of the house to answer the phone. Well, I mean, I'm single, uh, uh, only child, single parent. Where I, where I come from, if the phone rings, whoever's closest to the phone get the phone. And, and, and to her, it was important for her to cook dinner, but she was terrible at it. But also, <laughs> but also she was in med school. I'm like, listen, I'm, I'm working making $32,000 a year and you're in med school. I'm going to go ahead and cook the dinner, right? Because one, I'm better at it. But two, for our situation, this just makes sense. But she was so stuck into seeing what her grandmother did for her grandfather. And, you know, the man always gets the mail because that's what men do. And I'm like, none of these notions even make sense. But we didn't have a time. We didn't have the, the forethought to talk out what are these notions. What does a husband look like? What does it look like to make you happy? What are your personal boundaries? You know, I didn't have any personal boundaries as it relates to marriage. I was willing to give all of myself. And I don't say that from a heroic perspective, I say that from a, tra- from a tragic perspective, because you mm. can't give all of yourself, you know? Um, and it's not even, loving yourself will stop you from giving all of yourself to another person, you know? And, and on the flip side, you shouldn't want to be with a person who's willing to give you all of, all of themselves because that's not healthy for them. And so we didn't have these boundaries and this understanding in place. And I'm not saying it's an age thing, because maybe I wouldn't have learned that at 35 had I not had that experience at 25. But one thing I understood coming out of marriage was that one of the boundaries where I knew what I was willing to do and I knew what I, what I wasn't willing to do. And I knew that I still wanted to have a family. I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know if marriage would be possible again for me. Um, but I knew that, 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 that fatherhood was still something that was important to me and that I still wanted. Jeez, you, you said a lot there, brother. Yeah, man. Listen, I've had some yeah. time. <laughs> so go into the whole 
you said you said something I want you to build on more. You built you built on it a little bit. You laid a couple bricks, but I want you to put some more bricks on it. The notion of okay. not giving your your yourself to another person, hundred percent. Okay, so this is the story I've never shared publicly. Um, I'm getting some exclusive people. <laughs> <laughs> when when my wife was in medical school. She was a she was an amazing student. She she is by far the hardest working person I've ever met in my entire life. Um, she had an opportunity to go to Ghana on a medical mission, and like I said, I was making thirty two thousand dollars. I was making my salary. Her her tuition at the time was more than my salary, so I'm not under any um, false impression that I was putting her through school. I was just the only one working. Um, and so this trip cost $2,000 for her to go for, to go to Ghana on this medical mission. And I was like, you know, I don't want to let finances stop this incredibly intelligent person who is my wife, who I've committed myself to from, from being able to, you know, to, to see what, what her max is. I want her to be able to max out on, on her potential. So my homeboy told me about a medical study where they were paying $250 um, for bone marrow, right? But the where they took the bone marrow didn't require them to put you to sleep, bro. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so they were literally digging in like the small of your back while you were awake. And, and pulling. painful, yeah. The, they call it bone marrow for a reason. Like this needle went into my bone. <laughs> and they pulled the marrow out for $250 and you could come back every two weeks. So like I literally in, did that painful thing to get the money to send to send her to Ghana, right? And and to me, I swear to you, at the time I was proud to do it because I was like, this is a man sacrificing for his wife, right? This is what it looks like, and I'm willing to do it, you know. And yeah, it hurts, but I'm gonna be all right, and and she's gonna have two fifty. And so I, I did it uh, enough times to pay for the treatment. I did the max amount of times they let them, they let you do it. She went to Ghana. Uh, look, the, the cheapest flight was out of was out of New York because you know those international flights um, mm -hmm. leave out of the biggest airport. So we I drove her to New York from from DC so we could like every corner we could cut so but she could, so that she could still have the full experience. We did, and um, drove back when it was time to pick her up. And the first thing she said off the flight is, "I can't wait to go back next year." And mm. I was just like, I was like, damn, man, like I literally gave you the marrow out my bones <laughs> so that you could do this. Yeah. And you already talking about the, the comeback trip. Like, I, I don't yeah. really feel like you. And she knew, like, I didn't do this on the low. I was like, all right, yeah, going yeah, to do yeah. this bone marrow thing. And she was in medical school. So she had a clear understanding of what, of what I was doing. Oh, yeah. And um, yeah, man. And, and, and not that I, that I should do it or shouldn't do it or would or wouldn't do it, but like the idea that I was willing to, to, to give all of myself for this. And the response was, I can't wait to go back next year. It, to me, it suggested that we weren't in it on the same, on the same note. Yeah. You know? That's and a great so, example, man. I don't know who's going to top that story. Painful example. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who's going to top that story and that lesson right there, man. You, you, did you write this in a blog? Or you said you never shared this publicly? 
Nah, I mean, like it. some of my friends know because a couple yeah. of my, my boys is like, oh, 250, yeah, sign me up. And then I was like, nah, I'm never doing that again. Like, one of my homeboys <laughs> was like, one of my homeboys said, yeah, dog, they stole my soul. <laughs> I've heard, I've never experienced that before, but I've heard like that's one of the more, most, one of the more painful things that you could ever do while alive is get bone marrow. You know, I've, 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 never had a tattoo so i can't compare it but i, I will say that is the most physically th- physically painful thing i've i've voluntarily done yeah now that's what i've heard i heard because like yeah they gotta go they gotta get the bone marrow they gotta go and i heard like you feel everything i heard you feel like uh, yeah yeah they they have to have a needle that's sharp enough to pierce your bone your bone yeah, yeah. Bec- to go in the bone and then extract it the needle was like a bicycle pump us because because it has to be it has to be thick enough and strong enough to pierce the bone but then it actually has to have a hole in the middle so that they can pull the marrow out oh, yeah yeah it, it wasn't a good look but yeah i heard i heard that's what i've heard i'm like i said i i've never experienced it hopefully i never have to experience it but i heard it's like one of the more the more one of the more painful things you could do while alive <laughs> listen get bro. bone marrow <laughs> You have diversified your income streams enough so that you don't ever have to go to bone marrow route. So good on you. How is your relationship with your ex-wife now? So great question. Um, I have seen her twice in the last 10 years. Um, I saw, and she went to Howard. It's funny. My, my wife, my ex-wife uh, was an AKA at Howard and my daughter's mom is a Delta at Howard. So I always joke, I don't go to homecoming. Um, <laughs> but 10 years ago at, at homecoming. Did they know I, each I other? Into, no, they didn't know each other. Oh, no, they didn't no, know no. each other. Okay. Um, and, and it was a, a five year, it's almost a 10 year overlap. So th- oh, there's no, no interaction. Um, we bumped into each other at, at homecoming and it was good. I, I, I had my camera, so I was taking pictures and I had... Um, like not a professional camera, but one of the bigger cameras. And, and, mm-hmm. I, and I, I, that's important to note because when I was taking pictures, I was like, oh, let me take a picture of you and your girl, I'll send it to you. So I took a picture and her girl was like, oh, use my camera too. And so her, her girl had one of those smaller cameras. And so when I took the smaller camera, I couldn't take the picture because my hand was shaking so much. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't know what it was. I knew that it was her related. But I couldn't stop my hands from shaking, and she and she came over to me, and she she grabbed my hands, not 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 a, like not, but like a doctor will hold your hands, and she's like, "Is this normal?" Um, I said, "No." She said, "Is this because of us?" And I said, "I think so." And then she was like, "You'll be all right," you know. And I you know I kind of powered through it, took the picture, and um, so that was when I saw her ten years ago. Happened to bump into her this past um actually homecoming not at homecoming but homecoming weekend yeah because um, it's crazy yeah, yeah. right you yeah. can't avoid people yeah. and so we bumped into each other and we had a conversation and um i was not nervous to see her but i was nervous because of how i had responded the first time i was like i don't know what's gonna happen this time mm-hmm. but i was cool um i was in a better place and uh, we talked and um Gave her a hug, and and it was it. It was no bad feelings, no hard feelings. Um, mm. But I wouldn't call her, you know, t- 
to, to say hello. She had tragedy in her family and, and I reached out and sent a card. Um, but you know, we, we're not, we're not in, in, in regular communication. Got you. Got you. So we're going to switch gears a little. Well, same, same gear. Now it's a different gear, same lane. So what, what, a, what, um, all right, so you, you become a father, so you have a daughter, a beautiful daughter, nine years old, right? Yep, nine years old. So how has that experience been, being her dad? Like no. the real, the real stuff, not the None, great. No, no, <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you this. Um, more parts of my fatherhood journey than I'd like to admit have been out of fear. And, and I'll give you an example. Um, one of the things that I created for my daughter is an email account, right? So since before she was born, um, notes to Ella, I've sent pictures, stories. This is what your mom looks like. This is what I look like. Uh, little video messages. And everybody's like, oh yeah, that's a great idea. I'm gonna do the same. But the reason why I did it is because when her mother and I weren't getting along, it wasn't clear to me what kind of relationship I was going to be able to have with my daughter and what I wanted to do. You know, we always see on TV that, that kid who finds a stack of letters, I wish I would have known. So that was like my digital version of that. You know, I want my daughter to always know that I've been thinking about you since before you were born, you know, Mm -hmm. none of, none of our interactions have ever been sporadic. You know, when I, when I told you my story at, at, tw- at 30, well, uh, at 36, this is what I looked like when I was telling you that. I wanted her to always have that real-time version of that mm-hmm. that nobody could take away. You know, her mm-hmm. mom couldn't take it away if, if, if her mother and I went separate directions. You know, nothing could ever, even if my feelings for my daughter changed, this, this was a static thing that I could create that would let her know in real time how she felt. I mean, how how even the thought of her felt before she was born, after she was born in her first years on, on earth um, to me in real time. So that, that's an example of something I did out of fear, um, which, you know, fear, it, it, it plays a tough role because one, it's, you can never fully free yourself from it, but, but once you acknowledge it, you, can, you cannot be governed by it. Even up the letters. Um, I'm sorry. Keeping up the emails, the letters. You know, not, not as often, but I, but I still do it. Um, I send her pictures, you know, um, if something good happens to me or happens in my life, I'll take a picture of it and send it to her real time. You know, if she rides a bike for the first time, I'll send that kind of stuff. Um, Cause I just want her to have an archive. Yeah, because I started that, but I definitely didn't finish it. <laughs> I definitely it's, didn't it's keep tough, it man. Yeah, yeah. I started the email. We got the email early on and yeah, I didn't. I was writing stuff, but I didn't do it. So what I am doing, um, I'm doing like, uh, so I'm, I'm, I have a a couple books that uh that I've been writing for years, right? But it's more so. It's not really for me. It's for it's for my son. So it's okay. like these are the things that I mean. It's going to be told in a way. I just gave out the the sausage and all that, but it's really not. It really was. I really didn't write it for me. Like my memoirs is really was like life lessons for him. And it's a couple of books that I'm I'm working on. And I just gotta get, you know, sit down and just finish them. But it's really more like, this is my story. But for me, it's really like, I want my son to read this and like get the, the message. You know, the messages. Hey, I'm I'm exactly there with you. I got a book in me, 
Um, but it just looks like a blinking cursor that's mocking me because <laughs> I, I, I need to put in the work. Yeah, man. And let me let me add some context to some of the thing, to something that I said because I I believe it's important when, when especially when you when you're making statements. Um, two things I want to share about my father. My father became a medical doctor and lived in Detroit and and had a practice. Um, and when I was in high school, I got word from one of my sisters that my other sister had passed away. And they, so I'm in high school and I'm the old, I mean, I'm in, I'm in a college. I was at Howard. Mm -hmm. So they were maybe junior high, high school. So, and I was like, well, how did this happen? Cause she had an asthma attack and, and died. And I was like, you know, of course anybody can die of anything, but how does the, the daughter of a pediatrician like die of an asthma attack? And they, and they, their response was, well, Papa's in jail. It's like, well, what's he in jail for? Uh, so apparently my, my father lost his medical license by selling drugs, you know, just, just selling prescriptions. And so not knocking anybody, I don't know all the details of the story, but there was no question that, that my father was intelligent, you know, um, and, I, and I have no question of his, his civic mindedness. The dude was willing to go to another part of the world to, to, to roll up his sleeves and do work, but shortcuts. You know, um, and the other example is two years ago, I got a text from my father that said, don't have any other contact with me. Never talk to me again. Damn. And I'm looking at the text and, and, you know, I got an iPhone so I can see all the prior texts. And I was like, bro, I haven't texted you in four years. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, what is, what is this even? Because I'm, now I'm looking at my phone log. I was like, did I accidentally call you from my pocket? But that, there had been no interaction before that for years. But this is the type of person who just lashes out mm -hmm. and people respond to, you know, because that is, that is the relationship he has with my siblings. If he, if he were to send one of that message to, to one of my siblings, they would respond, what's going on? What's the matter? What did I do? Talk to me. But I was like, bro, there's no connection here. So you telling me not to text you. I'm like, I'm surprised that your name is in my phone still, you know? So, so, so when I say, that I think that I would have been better without him. It's literally not me lashing out mm -hmm. as, as a child who was mad. It's the very few things, the hard facts that I know about you and the ways that you've comported yourself in our direct interaction mm -hmm. suggest that, that in my most vulnerable time, you would not have been a positive source of information or guidance. So Let me ask you I, I just wanted to, yeah, go ahead. Are you interested in having a relationship with him? Or yeah, are you, so, that, that's the first question. So I'm gonna let you answer that. Okay. Okay. Um, no, but I was willing. And, and I will remain willing because I have a daughter and I want her to understand and know her family. Like I, I can decide to cut, to cut him out of my life, but I don't want to cut my daughter away from a, a legitimate part of her family. So what I did was, so I used to work on, on Capitol Hill and when my, when Ella's mom was pregnant, I had an opportunity to go work an election in Detroit where my father lived. And so I was like, what are the chances? I'm, I'm going to get a paid trip to work in Detroit. And this is, and I'm expecting, I'm going to become a father. And this is where my father lives. So I reached out to him and I said, listen, I'm going to be in Detroit for eight days. I can meet you 
anywhere, anytime, would love to connect, just want to talk. His response was, oh, I can have you to the house. We can have a big barbecue over. We can invite people over. My response was, all that is great. That's cool. Prior to any of that, I want you and I just to sit down and talk. We can have coffee. We can meet for lunch or dinner. But before we do a grand sweeping gesture, I just want you and I to have, because as adults, we've never spoken. Like, like, never even had a full exchange as adults. And so his response was, I'm not really into talking. And, 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 and I said, okay, well, these are the dates that I'll be in town. I'll hit you up when I get to town. So I get to town, hit him up from the airport, shoot him a message, and I shoot all my siblings text messages. And um, his response is, oh, and I say the only day that I can't do it is the Tuesday of elections. So his response was, that's the only day I'm available. And I said, okay, well, you know, we can talk on, we can talk on the phone any day up until then, but I can't, like I'm working a poll. I can't do that. And, and that was the only time he was willing to avail himself. And so I saw it as a power play, which was fine. Ended up meeting for, um, for a meal with all my siblings and, and, because he has since divorced their mother and married somebody else. And so met with all my siblings, their mom, their mom I'm cool with. And when it came down to it, um, at the dinner, he sent a text to me that said, it would have been nice to get an invitation to dinner, have a nice life. And I'm like, again, bro, like you don't have, like, like you don't, you're not under my skin so that you saying have a nice life makes me feel bad. I'm 35, mm -hmm. right? Like I've been having a, whatever my life is. Been living your best life. <laughs> yeah, it's been going forever. <laughs> so for him to like throw a tantrum and opt out, you know, I was like, okay. You know, and since he's been, since my daughter has been born, I've said, um, I've, I've sent him a message that said, you know, your granddaughter is asking about you. Um, if you ever want to talk to her, um, I'm willing to make that, make that opportunity available to you. Um, he sent me a Facebook friend request, but my response was, we're not friends. Like you don't get to snoop yeah. on my page. Like if you, yeah. if you want to talk, we can rap. Um, and his thing was, I don't, I'm not interested in talking and I'm cool with that. Yeah. But then if there's, if you're not interested in talking, we ain't got nothing to talk about. Yeah, so you so I'm sorry. The question was, am I interested in a relationship? I'm not interested in a relationship, but I would be willing to build one for the sake of my daughter. Gotcha. And you, yeah, your response to that question actually answered my follow-up question. So my follow-up question was, would you be interested in having a conversation with him <laughs> to figure out? Yeah. Yeah. But you already answered that. So, but I didn't well, want to leave you, know you on the cliff without telling you what the second answer, <laughs> what the second question was. <laughs> that's, that's fair. I mean, and yeah. I didn't think I had anything to say to him. Like, I'm not trying to kill the man, but if mm. something were to happen, I wouldn't feel like there's something that was left unsaid. I never got to tell him how I felt, mm -hmm. but, but it was such a coincidence that I thought that I would be doing myself a disservice if I didn't explore it. Mm -hmm. And the reason and why, so, I, why I was going to ask you the question, because you already, asked, you already answered the question before I, I even got to it. The reason why I was like, that's one of the things that because my father is not here, that I just mm -hmm. would want to at least explore the conversation of why you weren't around between you know, for 
that would be part of the conversation. That would definitely be a question. Like, yo, we were in the same town. You know, I lived in the projects. You know what I'm saying? Like, why didn't you come? Right. Just scoop me up for, why didn't you come to my birthdays? Why didn't you come? You know what I'm saying? Just to understand. Not necessarily that I would be judging. I definitely would have been more, way more judgy in my 20s. Like, now that I'm a grown man and I had a child and I know what it is. Like, you know, people are yeah. who they are. So, like, I, I'm not going to hold. Like, I don't have that resentment per se maybe because i don't because he's not here maybe i would have resentment if he was here you know i don't know mm. um we only we only live life that we have right so i, I don't know you know the ifs what ifs part but yeah it's like i just want to just want to know like what why didn't you come you know it's not like he was far <laughs> like you know what i'm saying like right yeah and you know so that's the reason i was going to ask you because like that's one of the things that um I, I I I would like to think that if he was here, I would want to know. And who knows how? Like the what that's right. He could have came around. You know, I, who knows? But that's one of the things that I'm like. I I, I I wish I had the opportunity to have a conversation with him because I don't even know how his voice sounds. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't know nothing yeah. about him. So so if there's like three tips that you would give like new fathers, aging fathers, however you want to answer, three three tips that you would give. To, to fathers to close this part up because I, I think it has to be a part two and I, okay. I, I want this to sit sit on its own and let it I think the conversation we just had was is too deep for to be Fair. at another in my head but I, like I said well give me the three I'll just ask you a question I'm still talking <laughs> okay um, so three tips the one is and this is funny because it's not a a word or a concept that we associate with fatherhood, but you got to be gentle with yourself, man. Like you just don't know. And if you believe that you have to be perfect, you're not going to do it. Right. Like I, I joke and tell people that, but it's a true story. I learned that the way to put my daughter to sleep was to, was to run warm water through her hair. Right. But if how did you, I learn uh, that? You put that on social media, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah like, yeah, yeah. but the only way I learned, hey, I appreciate it. <laughs> but the only way I learned it is because I was trying to change her on an incline and she peed in her hair. Like, so un unless you're honest about what you do that got you there, like, it's like penicillin. Like, they wasn't trying to come up with it, but they figured it out because they was willing to get in the mix. And so you have to be gentle enough with yourself to say, I'm committing to this process, including my slip-ups. Right? So that, that's one. Um, two, I think that sometimes we have these notions of what we want our child to be. You know, I wanted my child to be a genius and, you know, a ballerina and I'm 5'11", so I need her to be 6'5". You know what I mean? Like all these things that we want our kid to be. But like, I think if you asked yourself, like if my kid got one thing from me, what, what would I want that to be? And make sure that I'm modeling that, mm -hmm. right? Like if I want my kid to be a reader, I have a house full of books. Ask me which ones I finished, right? Like that's, having books around has never been my thing, but I'm notorious for not finishing books. Mm -hmm. And so like reading is, is important to me, but I also understand the role that I play and follow through, mm -hmm. you know? my um, So, you know, I joke around, my daughter, wants to be a star we don't know what kind of star yet but some kind of star but doesn't really understand the role that work plays in becoming a star 
okay, whose fault is that? That means that she's not seeing hard work going towards a cause. That's on me, you know, or that's on her mother. But but I'm 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 the father. So so what I say is, like, what's that one defining thing that you want your kid to pick up and make sure that you're demonstrating it. And um, the last would be take a long look at at the relationship with with the other parent. Right now, I don't you don't get to go back in time. So this is this is your your child's mother, or if you're woman this is your child's father or you know whatever this this is the other person who i'm raising this child with and whatever the relationship is today is whatever the relationship is today but i would take a long like 15 years out 20 years out what do i want this look to be because we realized that we weren't going to be together when my daughter was nine months no i take that back she moved out at nine months we realized sooner than that (laughs) um but the and let her friends tell it, um, that means that you have to do certain things. You know, my people are pushing me to court. You got to make sure you get this at X, Y, Z. Her friends are saying, well, you need to make sure that he's paying you one, two, three. You know, every, there's the peanut gallery that has their opinions. And I'm not saying any of it is right or any of it is wrong. But you have to build the relationship with that person that you want to have. You know, and, and what we have been able to do is build a relationship that isn't like anybody else's relationship. You know, I'm not, I'm not knocking on her back door at three o'clock in the morning when things go wrong at home with my relationship, you know, not, not, not trying to, to, to look at the future to come back and maybe one day. And also, you know, if she graduates, then I'm going to be in the front row clapping the loudest. Like I, it's important for my daughter to see me celebrating her mom, but, and, and this is real. Her mom moved this summer and in the house they had a, one bedroom in a den apartment. So a little apartment. It's her, her boyfriend, me and my daughter all packing together. Right. And and I can't think of too many situations where that would fly. You know, and I brought over pizza and and I and I'm like, look, bro, you gonna be moving the heavy stuff. So you better get you some of this pizza. Like I don't <laughs> want you to get weak. <laughs> and don't try to slip out for for a Burger King run. And so like but that's just what we're trying to build, you know? Yeah. Like, um, that's a wonderful there's no thing, reason man. for, yeah, there's no reason to be contentious. I want you to be happy with her so she ain't mad at me for something that, that happened 10 years ago. And so, like, yeah, the three pieces of advice I would say is be gentle with yourself, um, model that thing that you want your kids to, to pick up, and, and take the long arc um, in terms of the relationship that you want to build with the significant other. Um, not the significant, the other, the other parent, um, and work on that because it'll pay in the long run. Even if, even if it's fewer head headaches, it'll pay. Man, those those are great. Three great ones, and I'm I'm gonna let you uh, give me your where they can find you before I stop this, so we can do it in the second part. <laughs> but give them your yeah, uh, everything. No. Every, give them where they can find you, the blog, the the podcast. I don't know if you want them to follow you on um, Facebook or anything, but go ahead, give them everything. Yeah, um, IG. Um, my my IG handle is just dids j u s t d i d d s. Um, the IG for on fathering is just that on fathering, and onfathering.com is the website, and the podcast is dad jeans d a d g e n e s. So um, dad jeans with a G, and um, the subtitle is. Uh, 
examining the DNA of healthy fathering. So um, check us out, drop us a note. I'm always interested in feedback. And um, if you have tips to share, you know, let us know. I, I have no problem sharing the platform. And cool. Travis, man, I'm, I'm happy to be here, man. Thank you for, for, for having me on. Nah, thank you for getting on, especially in such a short notice that we had to, to get it done. And um, I'm going to put all his information in the show notes. Um, and as always, if you like this podcast, I'm going to give you the, the generic closing. Please like, rate, review. And most importantly, importantly, share so we can get our numbers up. And if you uh, feel so inclined and you think you like, uh, you like this contact, think about becoming donating to the show or becoming a um, supporter. Everything helps. This is not free. Um, this equipment costs money. <laughs> so we would like to keep yes, going. And you can donate to his stuff too. I'm sure he's, he's willing to take some donations. And I'll see you on the next side. Peace. The, the only drawback from it is um, I don't get to check out as many other podcasts as I used to because I'm listening to Minds editing right, right. it um trying to trying to figure out where i can get better <laughs> no nah, not, not a drill man. it's, it's it, you know you become a student of it and it's kind of like when you're writing a paper man you can you're never done with it you just decide at what point am i gonna stop and put exactly. it out yeah yeah so how, how are you liking it it's good, man. It's it's a completely new um, experience for me. I, I never really liked my voice, so I yeah. never saw myself as somebody who would be out there. But I really, nah. really enjoy listening to podcasts. And, um, you know, I decided I, I had something I wanted to share. So I knew that the one the one on one format wasn't for me. Um, okay. I, I thought a group format would be good because um, I thought I could do a good job of helping facilitate conversations. And, and so, so far, so good. Yeah, yeah, the, the 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 voice thing is something I had to get over. I had to, uh, so this is like my what I'm gonna say like my fourth podcast that I started. But this is the only one that I ever kept with because I'm I had to get over the uh, the voice thing. So it's like now, now actually I was telling somebody on another podcast like now that I love my voice now because it's like yo, I think I sound dope before I was hating it though. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Same thing. I'm like, listen, this is me. Like like yeah. love it or not. This this is where I am, and this is this is what I I'm not gonna change my theories, my opinions, all that can learn and grow. But my voice, I'm not gonna focus on on the thing that's the one yeah. thing that's gonna not change. So yeah, not, at this age, it's probably not, man. Like you know, we go through that phase when at least I went through that phase when I'm trying to develop the interview voice and the codes. <laughs> yeah, like when when do I use the interview voice, which is, I, I thought was a higher octave than my normal voice. And, and I'm like, nah, at this age, I'm too old, man. <laughs> yeah, listen, I'm going to try to give you thoughtful answers and ask smart questions. The rest, mm -hmm. you receive it how you receive it. Mm -hmm.